Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Jen and Alexandria Rep. Uh, Jen, I've known for a number of years uh, through our work in the film industry. And uh, I, this is my first time meeting with her sister, Alexandria. And uh, it was more centered around Alexandria's story. Um, she's dealing with a very debilitating condition called endometriosis and the chronic pain associated with that and the, some of the mental fallout as well. And it's a hell of a story. And we just, we gave her a place to sort of tell it from the early days, the diagnosis through to where she's at now and what the future holds. Um, you know, it exposes a lot of interesting things in society that I maybe didn't probe too deeply any one of them and we agreed we'll talk again later about it but you know the female body and the invasive nature of medicine sort of being shrugged off by doctors um managing chronic pain you know trying to live your life with a condition you know and 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 ultimately not listening to your body and not not just accepting that you have a condition sometimes is the first step is to accept that so you know, it was it was an emotional one. It was a very open and honest conversation, and it was it was great to sort of have just someone who was willing to speak. You know, they've they've set up a GoFundMe to help with uh, some of the costs associated with not being able to work. Um, I'll link to all that. They're they're putting out some pretty entertaining and funny content on social media. I'll link to that as well. But really, just uh, you know, for for women who are dealing with this condition or similar. Um, Maybe you want to listen to this and think about what some of these first steps are or just know that you're not alone or just, uh, you know, maybe chance to hear your story told through somebody else, whatever the case may be. This was a, a jam-packed one, one that I was about as prepared as I could have been, which meant I had no idea what was going to happen going into it. And I uh, learned a lot and I really enjoyed the conversation and there's more to come, but please enjoy the first installment of my conversation with the sisters rep, Jen and Alexandria. <laughs> Chat before and halfway through the chat, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm not recording audio." <laughs> He's like, "No." Uh, it was. Yeah. It's okay. It was early days for the podcast. I screwed that one up too because my memory card filled up while you were talking. So, you know, it was lost either way. So, let's put it behind so, us. <laughs> it was like the beginning or the end was lost on someone's party. Right, you know, it, exactly. it was just like the initial consults <laughs> or consultation. Like we had an initial meeting before this. This yes. is the real deal. This is it. It's great to see you. I love it. Two sisters sharing the mic. That's very cool. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, you sent me a link to... Um, I guess a GoFundMe page for, for some of what Alexandria is experiencing. And um, you have been pretty open and show, uh, you know, sharing some of this stuff on social media. So maybe if you'd like to start here, Alexandria, maybe tell me about what it is you're kind of going through day to day. Um, I guess like day to day overall, like my symptoms started back in September, 2019. Okay. Um, and I did a lot of it. So sure. um, it was kind of like myself. I was in a relationship, but we were, he was back and forth with work working a lot, not really understanding how to help me and how to cope. I didn't really know how to help myself. Sure. 
Um, so basically social media became a platform where I was able to speak about some of my, um, my problems or some of the things that I was going through mm-hmm. and not really have anyone to bear with me, but, or anyone to interrupt me. And I could just fully record myself, yes. watch it back and start to like cope it, cope with it myself. Cause I wouldn't speak about it at all. So doing that recording of myself was easier for me to just understand myself what I'm going through, but then also gave me a platform where I can just put it out there once and I don't have to talk about it again. And if someone wants to know, I can send them to that link. So basically it is very exhausting and hard to be so open and honest. Mm -hmm. But for me, I also found it easier rather than having to talk about it X amount of times over and over and over again and reliving it day to day. So obviously I have to live with the symptom day to day, but having to talk about it is exhausting. So I found it easier. Okay. And if you don't mind, can you sort of just briefly or, or as in depth as you want, just what is it that, that you're kind of going through um, as so much as you'd like to say? Yeah. So, um, September, 2019, like I said, I had started to get really sick. Um, I had started to experience a ton of pain in my pelvic area. Um, I remember specifically one day I had said to my coworker, it almost feels like there's a ball in my left side. Hmm. Um, and I can feel it moving and I don't know what it is and it hurts and it, it causes me like extreme pain. Um, I'd be vomiting like in the morning, like it almost felt like I was pregnant, mm. um, but I knew I wasn't pregnant because I wasn't sexually active. So I was like, I don't know what's going on, sure. uh, but I was experiencing morning sickness every single day, um, exhaustion, falling over in pain, like not even being able to like have a bowel movement without falling off the toilet kind of thing. Sure. So September 2019 to January 2020 was probably the hardest time of my life because I was going to the doctors constantly. like in and out of the emergency room at least once a week where they would do numerous exams, um, crying on my body, pushing, doing ultrasounds, internal, external, doing pelvic exams mm. um, with male doctors that I, it's uncomfortable right. sure. and it's very, in, like, very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Invasive. Thank you. Sure. Very invasive, very, like, uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I need to know what's going on with my body, so I'd rather feel uncomfortable for two seconds right now to have some answers but every time there was unanswered questions so january 2020 i finally was able to get into a gynecologist mm. um talking what i was going through she diagnosed me with endometriosis um and then at that time is when she had put me on a different hormone pill um i had gone from a two milligram dose a day and like birth control because i'd never been on those pills before um to a 200 milligram dose of like, like um uh, this pill that is like a hormone. Okay. So it basically stops my reproductive system, my system, sorry, or my ovaries from producing um, eggs and dropping, which also, which endometriosis is the form of like your uterus lining where mine grows everywhere. So it doesn't just grow within my uterus. It has no stop. So they really don't know where endometriosis can grow onto. It can grow up to my lungs. Um, it can grow onto my kidneys. They really don't know where it grows until they open you up and see exactly where it's growing. Wow. Um, but that ball that I had described to one of my colleagues, I found out that it was an endometrioma, which is basically a big cluster of endometriosis. Okay. Um, and it kind of like, it's either filled with blood and if it pops, it can kind of like be poisonous to your system. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Or it could just be a really hard mass of just like, full endo and it's just like clustered and it's just like a hard mass that they just have to remove right um but until it's big enough they won't remove it even though i can feel mine like all the time like i said um and then i also found out i had numerous ovarian cysts um so that was kind of happening 
so the best thing that my gyno had said to do was to take those pills and put in an IUD because with that pill, I could take birth control. So that would kind of slowly stop everything kind of thing. Um, so I had the IUD planned for March 22nd. And as we know, 2020, March 16th, the world was like, when we got our shut down, March 17th, everything was shut down. So, um, it was actually because of my like depression and anxiety. I got a phone call and I didn't answer it because as you do, when sure. you don't want to answer the world, you just sit on your phone, right? Yep, definitely. So, um, I got a call, I got a voicemail, didn't check it because it was anxiety inducing. So I just left it. <laughs> um, my mom drove down from Edmonton to actually uh, take me to the procedure to put my IUD in. Mm-hmm. And I showed up at the gynecologist's office and they looked at me and they're like, why are you here? Like we canceled everything that's not an emergency because of COVID. And I immediately just started crying. And I was like, I understand like, this is an emergency for you guys, like on a paper, it's just an IUD, like IUD insulation, right? So it's no big deal. But for me, I'm like, this is like the day I've been waiting for. It's been on the calendar. Like I'm counting down the days. Like this is it kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So the nurse looked at me and she was like, uh, okay, just like stand over here. And she, she left and she comes back and she starts asking me all these COVID questions. Like, have you been out of the country? You know, that's all the COVID questions that we all know now. Right. Um, I had said no to all of them, obviously. So she kind of like snuck me in and she's like, okay, we're going to get you in. We're going to just like kind of just do this in and out kind of thing, wow. get you in on your way. So she's kind of like telling me, you know, like this is probably going to be the most pain you'll feel. And I'm like, don't worry. I got pain in the bag. Like this is no problem for me. <laughs> um, and she's like, but like, you really have to kind of grin and bear it because the next step is surgery. And because of COVID, everything is going to be further delayed. Right. So I'm like, okay, I take it in. I start breathing. I'm like, Hey, you got this Alex. Like start doing my hype up routine. <laughs> um, and my gyno comes in, I have my IUD cause you have to buy it yourself. So you bring it in the packaging. Um, and she starts telling me a little bit about it. Like what she's going to do. She shows me this rod and she's like, I'm going to, um, like make the track for the IUD. So I don't damage the IUD, like trying to, shove it in kind of thing basically for lack of better words um and so she has the rod and she's like instantly like it's the most pain i felt and i've yeah. i felt crazy amount of pain so my hand that goes over my mouth i'm like hitting the wall like tears are just like blowing down my face like wow. i feel like and like the lucky music video where she's like crying straight down because it's like gravity doesn't even matter at that point because they're coming so fast like mm. so <laughs> I am just like, just take it out, just take it. And I right. can feel her like, she has a clamp and she's like crying and crying and trying to get the eye or the rod in, sorry. Um, and all of a sudden, it's like probably like, it's longer than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, okay, the nurse like hyped me up, but like, this is longer than it should be, but I'm like, just take it, just take it. And finally she says like, okay, I have to take everything out. So she removes it all. And I'm like, oh yes, I did it. Um, and I'm so excited. And I'm like, okay, like, how did it go? And she's like, it, I couldn't. And I'm wow. like, what do you mean? And she's like, I was like, I had the clamps, like I was trying to pry everything. And she's like, I was just hitting wall. And I was like, okay, well, like, let's go again. Like, I'm like, right. I'm like, I just know how much pain that caused me, but I'm ready to go again. Cause I'm, I can't continue like this. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Right. Um, she's like, it, it's impossible. Like, she's like, we can't, like, I'm hitting straight wall. Like your uterus is completely flipped on its back. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like tilted. And she, she's like, no, Alex, like it's 90 degree angle. Like yours is going completely the opposite way. Um, so there was no way that we could do it hmm. that way. Um, so the next step was for book it surgically. So it went from March, 2020 to October, 2020 was when okay. I had that. So it was a long period of waiting. Had I had the world not shut down due to COVID, I would have not made it. Like 
if I was having to go to work every single day, like I was in September and mm-hmm. to October or sorry, September to uh, January, like I had said, I would have not made it anymore. Like I was burning out. I mm. had already taken medical leave at the beginning of February, 2020. And I had gone back to work two weeks prior before the world shut down. So I was really blessed that it kind of had worked out that way because my, um, my company really took care of me and they made sure that we were paid in full. Like the government, they were able to apply for some grants and I was paid in full. So I was very, very blessed that I had that time to kind of heal and not mm-hmm. stress about money. Um, but at that time there was also like personal things happening in my life as well that just added stress onto the endo as well. And all the stress doesn't help the endo in the pain. Right. So that's really what kind of was happening between that. Um, I ended up going back to work July um, when the world kind of like reopened, I guess, the launch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked July all the way until, I guess, my surgery. I went for surgery in October. It went well. I had the IUD put in. Um, and that was all fine. I went back to work within a week. And I went from October to January 2021. And I worked and I was okay. Um, I was still in pain. Like I was having episodes every single day. There was times where I'd be in my office. Like sure. I had to shut the off on the floor, like doing breathing exercises. Like I was in a ton of pain. Um, but for the most part, it was the most relief I developed over the past two years. Okay. Um, in January, 2021, I unfortunately had ended um, of like a six year relationship. So, and that had already been kind of like fading for a long time and we had kind of gone our separate ways, but, um, we decided to sell our property that we own together. Mm. So, um, in February I had asked Jennifer to come move with me and, and we moved and we bought our place together. We got our place together. Sorry. Um, but ever since then, like my pain has kind of increased and my stress has really increased and my, um, my levels have really kind of heightened. So I, and now just on medical leave, my doctors have taken me off um, because in February also I have received a call from the chronic pain center in Calgary, mm. which I've been waiting list for over a year, um, that they finally have accepted me. There's usually, there's about 120 women to 130 women at a time that are seen doing treatment in the chronic pain center in Calgary. So I'm finally on that list again, because of COVID, everything's been a little bit longer. Right. Um, but now that it's happening, that's where my doctors are like, you really need to take this time off and start focusing on that treatment and really how to manage yourself day to day and how to manage um, your symptoms, kind of like control it. So hmm. that's kind of where I'm. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for sharing. That's great to know. I'm sorry to hear obviously, but it sounds like you're, you're getting through it. You're very strong. It sounds like so, and it makes you stronger to go through something like this. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Jen, what's as the older sister, correct? what's mm-hmm. what's it kind of like what's it been kind of watching this you know maybe feeling helpless but maybe feeling like there's something you can do some days and some days you can't what's kind of been your perspective on it so alex hides a lot and she pretends she's okay a lot um you know she's that person that'll wake me up in the morning with a, a joint and a coffee <laughs> because she's nice. just sweet even though she's the one, you know, really dealing with the sickness and stuff, she really tries hard to be kind and, you know, Mm. that person. And that's why she was pushing herself so hard at work. And yes, we had talked about moving in together, you know, January around Christmas time. We're like, holy shit, we hadn't seen each other for a while. And we started hanging out all the time playing Mario every day. (laughs) And we're like, like, I miss you. Like, I don't want to be apart from you. And then it's like, okay. And I was planning already to move down to Calgary in the summertime. That's when I was getting to be ready like 
the film industry is really blowing up down here. Right. And I'm like hearing all this and I'm like hyped. I'm like, yeah, let's get to work. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find work since I've been down here in February. Okay. You know, like COVID is still tough. So I've been like, I applied to the DGC. I'm now a permittee. I'm filling out the emails every week, but I'm like still getting no hits. So I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? I have to mm-hmm. reevaluate. Right. You know, I got a background talent agent. So like, I'm trying, but it's still tough. So now I'm like at a position, you know, initially Alex was like, well, I'm working this good job. You can come down, not an issue. And then once I was here and we're actually living together, I'm like, holy shit, you're really sick. Mm. Like you're really sick. And you have been hiding it from your boss, from your coworkers, from your, you know. It wasn't even so much my my coworkers on a day to day. They'd be like, why are you here? Like you need to go home. Mm. And I'm like, I don't have any sick time lapse or like, I have this deadline. So I'm, I'm a manager for Puma. So I have a team of over 20 staff members. Okay. So I'm like, I push the shit out of myself. So I, and like our family has always been like, you kind of, um, you kind of standing up. We've had so much stuff and <laughs> trauma in our lives that like, you know what, like you're, no one's else is going to pick you up. So right. like you can either cry there sitting there and you're going to sit there and not, not move forward or you can cry standing up and still pick you yourself up and get better. Right. So, yeah. um, had a lot of traumatic things happen in our lives and this was just another one of those things where I was like you know what it's gonna go away it's fine it's whatever um and obviously like working and pushing myself is is what hurt me more and uh, sure. I should have offered my health a lot further and a lot faster but at the same time with COVID it's like I was just sitting around waiting and right. at that time when I was with my partner he would every day just dismiss my sickness and just make me really feel invalid so I would not mm. believe myself and how sick I was and like wow I like it's crazy so when Jennifer saw me and she was like holy shit like why are you doing the things you're doing like what the hell um it really kind of like made me slow down and and really start to talk to my doctors of like how I was feeling because I would hide it from them as well because mm-hmm. I had seen so many doctors but I had started to really be um pushed to my family doctor and I really started to like be an advocate for myself and that's something that Jennifer really helped me with okay um so she was the reason why I was able to be like no I need to take this time and like actually get better because I'm not I'm just pushing myself further and further and just hurting myself more and more um and I was on the brink of suicide many fucking times and I hit it and I hit it a lot and there was a lot of times where like work was the main reason why I felt like I was just I were I've worked since I was 13 years old wow. I'm only 28 so um I've worked for everything I have and so like people will judge me and be like you have so much money or you had so much money and I'm like I did at one point I was working a great career mm-hmm. but now i'm like i my health is literally it's ruined relationships friendships my career like it's just like it's it's shitty but i'm also like you know what like i know i'm gonna get through it because i know i've always got myself through it good so, and I, but it's just like it's nice to actually have like my sister here because before i was going sure. through this completely solo so like i've been here for six in calgary for six years okay. so that's completely low and especially when all like all these appointments and i was going to the emergency room I was sitting there every single time by myself. And there was one time um, my ex um, had come and I remember he was so upset because he had to sit in the emergency room by himself. And I was like, dude, you're here for like two hours. Like, so it's just like, it's just like shit like that where I'm like, sure. I didn't have that support. And now that I do, I feel like I'm actually able to honor and kind of speak my story even more because. Nice. Yeah. Well, and from my perspective, yeah, I thought I would be working by now. And it's like, holy shit, rent is due. So then I encourage Alex. I'm like, let's tell your story. Do you want to sort of go find me? And so we started that. And I mean, unfortunately, 
I wish I can contribute monetarily to, you know, sure. that kind of thing, but it's not the reality. I've got debtor, debtors calling me and shit. So really, mm-hmm. if you want to donate to that GoFundMe, it's going to help me a lot as well. Sure. And anybody, me, the only reason I'm able to support Alex right now and be like, yes, honor and validate those feelings is because, you know, five years ago before I got into the film industry and the reason I'm in the film industry is right. because I was doing the same things. You wake up, you do your makeup, you get ready for work in the morning, or you don't even have the energy to do your makeup, but then you're just hyperventilating and crying there and you want to call in sick, but then you're like scared to call in sick because you've called in sick so many times and you don't want to do it again. So then you push yourself and then you get there and then you're crying and hyperventilating in the bathroom and then you're no use to anyone. Sure. So, you know, you have a decision make, where am I going to cry today? And usually you just end up back in bed, but then you're scared and you stay in bed all day and then you're not helping yourself either. Hmm. So when I saw her like repeating this cycle and yes, she keeps going back to working off and like pushing herself. I was like, nah, man, you need to honor this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because sure. that's the only help me get better. And that's the only thing that's helping me get better is to honor my feelings sure. and my reality every single day. And as much as I'm like, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. I'm like trying to be like, okay, but I am doing something. Right. And that's what I was able to do before. And, you know, I just want to love and support Alex in the ways that she needs to be supported mm-hmm. or supported. And sometimes I, you know, I get into big sister protective mode or what worked <laughs> for me and Da, 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 da. And I just, in my own mind, I'm like this and this, and then sometimes that creates tension and, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's not actually helping her. So right. we're finding a balance too. Yeah. We haven't lived together since we were kids, you know, right. and when I was 18 and she was still 13, 13, a child, you know? Mm. So this has really been an interesting thing and it's, you know, really awesome to be around my sister and it is really hard to see her hurting and i appreciate you um reaching out and letting the platform to talk about this because it's a really important issue and i i had no idea what endometriosis was i didn't know your uterus could get flipped like that i had an iud implanted and it was like the worst pain i've ever experienced and uh for women they tell you like they don't recommend it unless you've had children because it's such an extreme pain you know, but I was like 28 when I got my first one. So I was like, they're like, okay, I guess you haven't had any kids. We'll give it to you. Um, hmm. But yeah, it was like such extreme pain. I almost passed out. I like cried and stuff. So when she was getting hers and then to find out that they, they, they pry in there and they try to get it and they, they couldn't because it's even more complicated. So she did eventually get an IUD, but they did have to surgically implant it. Right. And yeah, non-emergency surgeries. Again, she had to wait for a long time. And even now there's other surgeries, other treatment plans that are available, but she's still playing the waiting game because of COVID. Oh yeah. Right. So I forgot one part of that as well. At the time when they were going to do the surgery, they were initially going to go through my navel with a camera um, and look around and find where the endo was. But a day prior to the surgery, um, the sur- one of the surgeons called me and they're like, look, like there's really no point of us to go through your navel, put the camera in if we're not actually planning on scraping up any of the endo yet. Because mm. like, they're like, we know you already have endometriosis. So there's no point of us going in with a camera, opening your navel and going, yep, you have it to stitch you back up. Sure. So like, we'd rather book you a surgery because it's a surgery that can last from six to 12 hours. So like, we would rather have you in the procedure room 
booked for that amount of time so we could properly do the procedure. So that's where they chose to just do the information of the IUD. And so we're still waiting for that other surgery. But where the chronic pain center is they have numerous specialists and numerous like physiotherapy and dietitians um, and all these people that will like help me to even just like to learn to lift things proper again because like when I lift heavier heavier objects it's like it does create a lot of tension in my pelvic area so it's like I really do need to learn how to properly lift things again um, especially with my line of work I'm lifting sure. 25-30 pound boxes standing up and down ladders so it's like that is an important part of my job right yeah. so things like that where like my career really do does depend on this so um, and that's where it was really important for me to step away from my career so I could physically go yep. back to it. Yep. Absolutely. So. Well, it sounds to me like honoring, as you say, Jen, honoring and validating, like accepting that this is a thing you have and you can't work through it. You can't just push through it because it's just going to get worse. That, you know, you may say it's like, well, I'm not doing enough, but it's almost like you're doing the one thing you have to do. And you have to just say, this is where I'm at. I can't yeah. be who I think I want to be. I have to be me who I am right now. Exactly. And I was talking to my doctor um, a few weeks ago and I was like, I'm sleeping so much. Like I feel so guilty. Um, and they're like, Alex, you, you need to like rest when your body needs this rest. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like if you become to a point where you're sleeping too much, like we'll go through that. Right. Um, and fast forward to this week, it's now like, I can't get any sleep at all. So it's really like a 360 all the time where it's up and down all the time. But, but um, having the doctor's like permission per se mm-hmm. to sleep or yeah. not to sleep whatever the case may be like just those like weird like those words for me it really does help me because like jen said I'm, i really do push myself um and kind of having that permission to allow myself to heal and honor it is really kind of like helped me so definitely seeing your doctors and talking to them or seeing your psychiatrist and talking to them is a huge help so that's something that like the reason of also that i want to speak up is like yeah, Jen said she didn't know what endometriosis is. I've had numerous people reach out to me that are like, you're the reason that I discovered what this is or that I did research what this is. Um, and now it's kind of like when I'm talking to someone that I'm interested in, if they know what endometriosis is, it's like a love language to me. I'm like, damn, I don't need to explain something. Like, damn, I'm actually a little bit interested in you. So if sure. you want to get to know me, what endometriosis is. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I admit I didn't know anything about it, but one thing that really interested me was the chronic pain uh, aspect of it. So... What would you say about that? Is that like you've kind of been saying it, but is it daily pretty bad, pretty severe, or it goes in waves or? Yeah, so it does go in waves. Um, I will I will just like disclaimer, endometriosis does affect women differently. We all have different bodies, we sure. all have different symptoms underlining as well. So mine creates chronic pain. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone with endometriosis oh, okay. will have that chronic pain. Okay. Um, that's just that as a symptom of mine. Also due to that like uterus flip. So my uterus does um, instead of going towards like my navel, it actually like squishes my rectum. Um, so where I was saying like it was painful okay. for me to go to the washroom and I was falling over in pain, that's directly why it's because like if I have okay. a bowel movement, is my anal or sorry, my uh, urinal, my anal tract is like mm. my rectum it's that's like our, squeezed. is like squished, right? Gotcha. By, yeah. By the, so that's why it's painful. So um, it is very different for everyone. Mine causes chronic pain. Um, typically, I'm like at a segment like about a four on a scale of one to ten. Okay. I do. Have where I'll shoot to like a 10 mm. um, and Gen Z moments quite frequent these are the moments where all of a sudden I'll feel nauseous I'll get sweaty my eyes will kind of glaze over like I can't see anything and all I can focus on is just finding somewhere that I can lay down and just shut my eyes and not have anyone around me so when I was at work 
my staff would know they would see it and then i'd be like i'd go to my office and again like i'm the only person that has an office at my at my at my job um it's for my whole management team but it is someone that like i could go away and i could shut the lights off because it had some lights close the door and no one can bother me kind of thing so i would be laying on the ground during covid and being like this is disgusting i'm like laying on the freaking floor but i have no choice so yeah. um those are the moments where it's like a, a high 10 um sure. and they happen quite frequently depending on what i'm doing if, it, if i'm moving like when i was working eight hours a day it would happen daily um but at home like where i'm just kind of like resting relaxing maybe happens about like once every three days so and depending and like a lot of times it'll happen if i'm laying in bed in the mornings especially like your bowels are kind of like moving um so yeah. like that's well in the morning right so um it really just depends time of day i've really learned my body especially being off the last few months um but i know that like there's a lot more that I need to do to manage it, but there's a lot that I don't know because everything that I have learned about endometriosis has been really my own research um, because there hasn't been any help or support that I've really had with it. Um, because when I was going okay. to the doctor, a lot of them don't even know what endometriosis is. Like I was explaining what it is to them. So it's Good. just cramps. Yeah, the <laughs> amount of doctors that are like, it's just cramps. The last doctor I saw before I talked to my family doctor who took me off indefinitely from work. They're like, you need to go on medical leave like ASAP. The last doctor, he's like, we don't want to get into that. We don't want to be off long. Like that's just right. a lot of work. Da, da, da. And then as soon as I talked to my doctor the next week, like I couldn't even barely speak because I was in so much tears of just like all my anxiety and like my pain day to day. Um, and she's like, you should have been off like a long time ago. So like, it's just the different perspectives, especially like, sorry to say male versus female. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of that stigma. Like I had even, um people within my job try to say like i asked my wife about that and they said it's not that bad so it is really things like yeah. that stigma of that invisible illness and i look a certain way and i always try to be cheery and try to hide it so people right. will stigmatize like i'm not sick if you're enjoying this conversation please subscribe on youtube and give us a like if you're listening on apple podcasts please subscribe and leave a five-star review and now back to the conversation. That's fascinating to me that a medical professional would just dismiss that so mm -hmm. easily. What it happens. Okay. When I was first learning about, uh, like, cause I suffer with panic disorder and depression as well. And when I was first learning to accept it and deal with my PTSD and things like that, right. I also dismissed by medical professionals quite often. I actually had a doctor that didn't want to be my doctor anymore. Cause he's like, mm -hmm. it's just too much to deal with. And I was like, to fight I had a panic attack in his office. I went to the receptionist at the front and I was like, I'm having a medical emergency. I'm having a panic attack mm -hmm. and I'm telling this to the receptionist and the doctor just told me he cannot no longer see me. Is there anything that she can do? And she just looked at me dead ass and was like, no. So I just went to the car, finished having my panic attack and then drove home. <laughs> I'm like, so when Alex wow. is telling me these things, like I believe her because like I, you know, I'm not as sick. I don't have the internal stuff. It was, it sure. was more mental, you mm -hmm. know, that was triggering physical pain. I had heart palpitations. I had to get heart mapping to make sure it's mm -hmm. just anxiety. And then when I saw Alex having these symptoms of extreme pain, um, she was also having very similar uh, symptoms to what I noticed in myself with panic attacks, okay. you know, the extreme sweating, like we would be just watching TV or hanging out, she'll go to the bathroom and all of a sudden I'm like, oh wait, she's been in there for a while and I'll come and she's like laying on the floor, laying on her bed, you know, and so it's like, she already knows how to do her own breathing and work through that, but those 
extreme pain moments are what's triggering these panic attack like symptoms. So she's also having these extreme anxiety attacks. She's having this sweating that like unable to move or your whole world caves in and you can't do anything Mm. except for just breathe through it and try to ground. But then the pain is extreme as well. So like it's debilitating. You can't do that and live a normal life at work, a normal, you know, day to day, nine to five or what she was doing is actually managing a, a large team. So like, you can't it's just impossible and there's actually a day where last christmas um i asked jennifer to come work with me for boxing day um because at the time i had just taken over the store and it wasn't where i wanted it to be and i had a staff a a staff team that i wasn't super faithful in like there was a lot of good team members but there was a lot of team members that are still like hired but not myself and there was a lot of pushback so um, I asked Jennifer if she could just come in and help out for the day, and she did. And I remember at the end of the day, I I was there for ten hours. Like I started at what seven a.m. and I was there till five thirty or something. Um, so at like five thirty, right before we were about to get off, like five twenty, I started having an episode because right. I was like, okay, I pushed through my whole day, and I kind of knew what it was at the end of my day, so my body was like, it's the time. Right. Um, and I remember my team went and got Jennifer, and they're like, Alex is having an episode, or what did they? I don't know. What did they say to you? They're like, Alex is crying in the back room or some shit. And I was like, what? (laughs) And this was an episode, a physical pain episode with your condition, like with the endometriosis. Okay. So it was physical pain that was just leveling. This was in 2019. 2019. So this is when I was undiagnosed. You didn't know what it was. No. That's pretty frightening on top of that. that was the darkest time of my life was January or sorry, September, 2019 to January 20th when I had no diagnosis. And mm. I was going, like I said, I was going to the doctors all the time. I was calling in sick. I had just like actually lost a family member at the beginning of that year. So I'd already taken off a bunch of time. With that. And most of us live in Edmonton. Like until I moved down here, Alex has been the only one living in Calgary yeah. for the last six years. So okay. she's been alone, you know? Right. So, that was scary and like it was so dark and I was having a lot of like, troubles again like not having support and then also feeling like I wasn't doing my best in work and like I wasn't being enough support for my staff members so like I was trying to be support for them but then I had no one to support me so it was just it was like a double-ended sword where sure. I just felt like I would never do enough and then I was like never doing enough for myself so it was just like I was exhausting myself and hurting myself further by pushing myself and I, I finally was able to realize uh, when Jen moved down here that like the best thing I can do for everyone else is to heal myself. Yep. Yeah. So, Cause you're no good. Right. You're no good to anybody when you're not, you know, like if you're suffering, what are you going to do? How exactly, how are you ever going to support anybody else in the future? If you can't just get over that hurdle now. Right. Exactly. And that's, and before I had the, um, the acceptance into the chronic pain center, I saw no hope and I saw no light and I saw nothing. So that's where I was just pushing myself. And I was, living with my ex and I, I was like, you know what, I don't want to be at home. So I'm just going to go to work all the time. And like, sure. I knew I was remember saying at work, I was like, I push myself so hard. I know I'm going to like, I know I'm going to crash hard away. Cause I was having started to have episodes more and more at work, but I was like, don't be at home. Like, I don't want to be at home. Like, I just don't want to go through that anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've already been I'm sick enough. And like, I remember that one of the last things that he said to me that like just broke me. And it was like, Alex, you're just getting sicker and sicker and I don't know how to help you. So I was like, then why am I staying in a relationship that like I clearly am not in? So that was kind of something like it broke me, but I was like, you know what? Like, I don't even know how to help me. So I really just started to have to do a lot of self-reflection because yeah, like I was hurting him by just staying sick myself. Sure. So it wasn't, it hurt me, but it also is like, I'm hurting him and that's not fair. So I really do need to like 
fix myself so I'm not hurting the other people around me as well because they don't know how to help me and because right. I don't know how to help myself, right? Yeah, maybe it broke you, but it also sounds like it freed you ultimately, finally. Exactly. So, yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, that's a hell of a... Do you see light at the end of the tunnel? Like, is that is that fair to say or is it is it a long road ahead so, yet? When I got accepted into the chronic pain center, they had sent me like this, you have to do this big kind of assessment and they send you about like a 60 um, question questionnaire of asking how you're doing and things like that. And a lot of the questions I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that. And I was just crying the entire time. So mm. I'm like, I've never even like actually like thought about these questions myself, but a lot of it was like hopelessness. And like, do you feel like you're invalidated constantly by people around you or just things like that? And it's just like, yes 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 like i didn't <laughs> think of the questions that that are my my true my true story wow. um so that being able to now that i'm accepted into the chronic pain center i do have hope because speaking with the nurse i did my consultation over zoom her name is mariola and she's probably one of the sweetest ladies i've ever met in my life um and so like meeting her and just hearing her speak and hearing how she's helped women that have been in the similar position as me or that this center has helped women um it gives me hope so but for a long time i was like i said i was on the waiting list for over a year that it's like is this accepted is it just in a limbo like i don't know mm. um so having that date now actually in the calendar it's in june 8th is my, my first like in-person consultation and it'll be a two and a half hour assessment where they're going to be like physically go over everything ask me a lot of like questions um emotional questions as well so like to see how i'm doing um, sure an emotional assessment um so that's kind of where that's at but now that i have that in the works now i have help at the end of the tunnel because for a long time i didn't like it's still a chronic illness it's still chronic pain right. but what alex is focusing on right now is learning you know how to live with her body and how to live with her pain and how to honor her feelings and herself and how to manage it how to manage, manage it. it so i can sure. because just day-to-day life, right? Like, obviously my life is going to be different and it's altered and it's affected. For example, it's like a diabetic. They need their insulin, right? right? It's just something that's part of their life. So now for me, there's going to be different steps in my life, whether it's breathing, whether it's my medications, but Mm -hmm. that's something that like with this chronic pain center, they're going to be testing medications, um, possible surgeries, pinching nerves, doing pain injections where they like, I have pain tracks where like, I literally will flinch if someone tries to talk to my stomach because I'm just so used to being an altered like high. Sure. So they talk about doing pain injections where it'll kind of like take away those pain tracks. So I'll start to have those like reactions, I guess. So um, there's lots of different procedures that they're um, going to introduce to me, but it's really going to be what's best for me and kind of what they think is best and what mm-hmm. I also agree to. Right. So, because if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to agree to it. So, it we'll see. I yeah. really kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's been over two years. She's been waiting for this diagnosis mm-hmm. and you know starting of this treatment plan. So, who knows how much longer this is? You know, she's going to be being treated. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a few years from this point. At the chronic pain center, they say it's a six to twelve month program, but they have had women up to eighteen months. But that's like kind of their time frame within the chronic pain center. So they can make sure that they're like, cause again, they can only do so much. It really does depend on you as well. Like, are you doing your homework? Right. Because right. it's the same pool, right? Like you need to do your homework and you need to make it a part of your everyday life. So it really does come kind of come back to you. So they can only provide so much. So, so the treatment does last six to 12 years or sorry, months. six to 12 months. Oh yeah. God. Is this a curable condition or it's a, just, you have to live with it. 
endometriosis is not a curable condition um because okay. it is just like your uterus it grows like you're aligning so that what is what your period is right um full disclosure that's what it is so if there's no curable condition the only thing would be if you go through menopause um or you can have your uterus removed so um but again i'm only 28 years old when i was first going through this i was 26 so when i was actually first went to go into the hospital i'd be experienced pain for years but I, again that's fine right. it is what it is it's just women's yeah, problems yeah. like yeah. i'll never so i just missed it for a long time myself but is when i was 26 is when i actually was like no i need help i need to go to the doctors mm. um so being that young i'm childbearing age so they want to do everything they can to protect me to be able to have a child um where like i've literally mourned a daughter i don't have because like i wanted a daughter since i was a kid and like but i always kind of had felt like i was gonna adopt an eight-year-old girl which is so weird but um this was kind of like my telltale i was like maybe i'm never supposed to have my own daughter like mm. maybe it was like a sign that i'm supposed to adopt a kid so um it is like really really emotional because it, it makes you feel things that you don't think you would ever even think about yeah um, but when it starts to become like an everyday pain versus like remove this, so I can just live. Right. Start to weigh your pros and cons, right? That's a hell of a trade off to be forced to make, you know. But and being this young, they won't even allow me to make it. Oh, they won't. So, They'll tell you. Doesn't that seem strange? It's it's there's because it's such a tricky procedure that I'm so young. It's like something they won't even talk about, and it is an expensive procedure to do as well. Um, but there is. Like in Europe, a lot of women go there or in Mexico, a lot of okay. women will go. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that where it's like, yes, if funds were available, that is probably something that I would yeah. look to do, right? But I, I definitely can't do that right now. So my chronic pain center is like my my knight in shining armor. In sure. Sense, so. sure. That hope for relief. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. At least get the relief and then kind of go from there. Is that sort of the yes. plan? See how it goes? Exactly. You know, I'm... F there's something about, okay, so has the chronic pain shaped your character in some ways? Like, I, I would just say one of my favorite musicians, he's he was in a car accident in the late 60s, and he had he made music for 30 years after that, and they found out kind of after he was always in pain, always medicating with drugs and, you know, alcohol, but his voice, he, you know, his voice was, I think he could only sing the way he sang because he was in pain. Mm -hmm. You know, do you find, is that... Does that do anything for you when I say that? Is there something that has this made you grow? Has it given you some perspective? Absolutely. I think it's definitely given me, um, like I, I, like Jen said, I've always been a go-getter, but the chronic pain and just everything that I've gone through has really kind of self-validated that like, I am strong as hell. Like yeah. I, I knew I was strong before, but like how I handle things and like how I like, I think I'm a pretty kind person. Um, so like, I'm really proud of how it held it, held Good. myself together. So I would say absolutely, it's it, it has to define who you are because like when you when you live like that every single day, you have a choice. Mm -hmm. Am I miserable or am I grateful? Right, and every day that I'm alive and I'm, I'm breathing, I'm grateful as hell. Good because it's day like my legs still work. Um, our brother, like he was a paraplegic before he passed away, um, and I saw him suffer through hell and he never i never would hear him complain and when he would it was like the littlest things that like he could be complaining about a hell of, hell of a lot more so like seeing that has really shaped me as well like you know what like i literally i my legs work i can go for a walk with my dog it might yeah. be painful at home but every night i get to come home and i get to sit on my own couch and enjoy being able to go in my own kitchen and get my own food because my brother 
was in the hospital for 10 years and didn't have that luxury. So even though sometimes I'm in bed rest, at least I'm in my own bed. Yeah. So it's like, it really does shape you, but it also like, I, like I said, we've had a lot of crazy things go on that like, I don't think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> get to hang out every day. Yeah. So that's so bad. No, it's like, it's um, it is what it is. Um, I think for myself, it's really just kind of like giving me that push that like I, I really want to be an advocate for okay. illnesses that are like invisible or women just in general, like these issues that aren't talked about or there's no research. One thing that I actually forgot to mention was the pills that I was the 200 milligram dosage. Okay. It's only supposed to be on for about, I was only supposed to be on that pill for about six months because they don't know the long-term effects of it. I'm on month 14 of this pill. So it's like, why are we not researching these things when like these issues are one in seven in America, one in 10 in Canada. So it's like, these are big issues within women and it's just, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's like, why we should be researching these more. We should be being advocates for it. And then that's something that I'm really passionate about. Or if women come in with pain mm -hmm. and doctor doesn't know, instead of just dismissing it as cramps, maybe, okay, well, it might just be cramps or it might be something more. I don't know. Let me right. refer you rather than pushing drugs just so you can make money. Well, that's it right well, there, isn't it? Another part of it too is like, I had seen my doctor about depression and anxiety because obviously that like being in bed rest for days on end and 2019, I literally missed out on the pen, like before pandemic, I was already in quarantine really. So mm. um, it was really, really tough. So I had saw my doctor about depression and I, I've had depression since I was 16. Like. True. I didn't graduate school on time because I stayed in bed my graduated year. So like I've had depression for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I finally was like, I can't do this illness and fight my health, like my, my own depression and my own anxiety. So I finally was when it's medicated for that. And then I'd go to the doctors and all they push on me is opioids. So it's like, if they read my chart, they'd see that like I'm suicidal and I'm on depression medication for suicide. And they just handed me the pill to kill myself. And it's like how many doctors like would push opioids on a day to day it was crazy. Yeah. Like I can open my cover. I didn't take any of my opioids because I know myself. I have an addictive, addictive personality mm -hmm. with pain. Where like if I'm on pain and I take these, like I will take them because they, it was only thing that can help me. Right. So I knew on the opioid side that I would become addicted and it would kill me for sure. Like that would be the nail in my coffin. And I couldn't do that to my mom. Good for so you. I took, I could not do that. So I had other medications, I had T3s, I had all these other like anti-inflammatories, all these other medications um, for pain that I'd have to take like this counter medication so that it would protect my stomach lining because it was such an acidic pill. So it was just like pills after pills after pills. And before that, you know me, I'm kind of a hippie. I don't like putting, I don't, I didn't even like taking Tylenol. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I have a headache, I need more water. So right. um, yeah. now I'm like, like pills by the handful and I can swallow them all at one time because I'm just like, that's my relief now. So, yeah, I just can't wait to get to my actual treatment. Of get therapy. over that. Yeah, because yeah. that's not a cure, right? It's just it's just kind of prolonging. So you mentioned the word hippie. Is there a particular substance or something that's maybe helping with the pain too? Is there something? Um, I, mean, I definitely do. Um, I use marijuana. So that's definitely like a big help mm -hmm. um, for me, especially like when I was on bed rest, like at least I could kind of escape my mind a little bit and not be able to just think constantly about chronic pain or about like how shitty I was feeling. So um, that definitely helped me. Mm -hmm. CBD as well. There's okay. like this like bomb 
um, like coconut, it like you can like put it on your stomach. It definitely nice. is not a cure, but it does help. Sure. Um, I would say, I remember I would say when I like for some, like when I was on bed rest in uh, January and February, I uh, had my heating pad on my stomach just all, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I went to my gynecologist and they're like, oh, I can tell you're using your heating pad. Like my stomach just looked like it was cooked. Like it was just like, cause it was so hot all the time. Whoa. Cause as soon as I from work, heating pads on, I'd sleep with it all night. I'm getting ready for work in the morning. It's on my stomach. So it's like, I was literally cooking myself. So that was kind of like my pain relief. Uh, I still use my heating pad all the time, but I definitely try to space it out a little bit more because like it was pretty disgusting how cooked it was. Like your skin, your skin was like you were cooking. It like, so when you know you're going to think about meat or like, like the kind of like little veins, that's what my stomach looked like. It looked like kind of raw meat. It was disgusting. Like it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, hey, but you had to do something. (laughs) You had to do something to get through it. Right. Uh, Yeah. So marijuana helps. Yeah. Depression and anxiety as well. We, we only smoke outside, so it gets us outside. Nice. I want to ask I you a dog that, um, oh, good. So that's something that like definitely helped me as well. Um, otherwise there'd be days on end where I won't, I wouldn't even leave my bed. So, um, and when I was at my house before I would just let him in the bathroom and that was kind of a big thing for me as well. That I, I knew that I had to get out of that situation because I was so depressed in that house and I knew my dog was super depressed in that house. Mm-hmm. So, um, now moving with Jennifer, we're in a condo downtown where, yeah, we have to take the dog out every single day. So I'm yep. constantly having to wake up with him and like, if we're not going to the dog park, he's trained us that that's the only place to go to the bathroom. So if we're not going, no. he's like whining at us. So like, that's, that's what that also is helping me as well as yep. having a dog that like, I don't have a child, but like, that's something that like is dependent and reliant on me. And like, if I don't feed him or take care of him, like it's not going to be okay. So, and he'll remind you. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I suspect that the dog is probably just the right amount of that responsibility. Right. It's not like where you're pushing yourself to burning out. It's like, he's just the right exactly. amount of, you gotta just do the bare minimum for that guy. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm like, we live really close to a dog park. So it's just, it's like within a seven minute walk. So we walk there he can run and there's so many dogs there. So it's perfect. So, um, that really helps because it's, yeah, it's not super far for me. It's, it's easy. It's a light walk. So, and then right he gets his exercise, it gets us out so that, yeah, connecting with nature and being outside, getting that fresh air definitely is good for your health and that like physically and mentally. So, yeah, I wanted to ask about a little bit more about, about the marijuana, if you don't mind, I'm someone that definitely did a hell of a lot of it at one time. And it's been a year actually, since I've done it, I, it's just something that I couldn't continue to do. Mm-hmm. But do you feel you're better off with that? I'm not going to say chronic or heavy usage, but pretty regular use. Do you are you seeing issues with that, or is it like a trade off where it's like you know it's it's worth it, or how is it with you? Because it is a pretty personal thing too. Of course, I really haven't seen an issue with myself. Um, I'm someone that I have like a pretty high tolerance for most things. Um, pain being one of them, like an example of just like physical pain, so people can kind of understand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and- Summer 2020, I was riding my bike and I fell off and like smashed my face. I have a huge scar on my nose. I can cuss myself. And within five minutes, I was like out walking around making fun of myself. So like I have a really high tolerance for pain. Mm. Um, just like, I don't know, I can do like probably like five shots in a row and be fine. Like I have a high tolerance for shit. So um, <laughs> she knows she was concussed because she threw up and then stood up. <laughs> so <Whoa. laughs> That's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like i have a high tolerance for stuff so i really haven't seen an effect in the in the marijuana usage of myself okay. um my doctors are aware my uh my psychologists are aware that i use marijuana and how frequently i do um so there hasn't been an issue and if there was 
we know that we would discuss it and I would discuss it myself. I am someone that I can go like a day without it, but I also do know myself that like, if we're getting low, I'm like, <gasps> so <laughs> totally. like there is that kind of trade off where it's like, yeah, I do depend on it a little bit, but it's more so of like, um, kind of like it does help me just not think about my symptoms constantly. Sure. Cause I'm someone that like, yeah, I can sit there and overthink shit like 24 seven. So if I, <laughs> smoke a little bit of weed. I mean, it's going to make me be present. We're going to put on some music and maybe go on a podcast or whatever. Sure. Like, <laughs> be present nice. in our moment. Truthfully, we are on a budget right now. So we know we're only smoking like one to two grams each a day. So like okay. it might look like chronic smokers, but like there's people that smoke it a lot Ooh, more yeah. than that. Okay? Yeah. And the doctors really prescribe you more than that. Like mm, per yeah. day. Usually I have friends that have it and they're like three to four grams per day is their prescription. And I'm like, holy shit, I could smoke that much weed in a day yeah. no that'd be and i don't mean i'm not putting a judgment on it at all it's just um what about yourself jen like you know you're someone that's been pretty open with your mental health struggles but you know so i some people may say well you have mental health issues and you're using weed you know it just depends on how they look at that they might say what it, please i i've had mental health issues since i was like a child and mm -hmm. a lot of trauma that I went through and I never smoked weed until I was 28 years old. Oh, wow. So I know myself very well with and without marijuana. I didn't, no, I didn't smoke till I was 27. I didn't drink till I was 28. So I know myself with and without alcohol as well. And like alcohol is not really my thing. If I drink alcohol <laughs> sure. every day, I would not be okay. But smoking weed every day, I still have full function on my body. And it, sometimes it just helps get me out of bed. You know, like sure. I would just look there being sad and depressed. But if I go outside and smoke a bowl, then I'm like, all right, Let's go for a walk. Now what? Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> I can still like vouch for Jennifer. I know her pre smoking weed and after smoking weed. And I will tell you, you want to know Jennifer pre smoking weed okay. or before us. <laughs> uh -oh. I was like, very uptight. She was so <laughs> uptight and just like, oh, so you That's don't want to know Jennifer smoking weed. That's so much better. <laughs> okay. okay. In the best way. Kind of us cares. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's so, but as long, okay. It's interesting because like we were saying earlier with the pills or the, or, or the weed, it's like, it's, it's, it's just kind of delaying the symptoms or it's kind of making you in the moment able to, what are you doing to sort of address, maybe this is more, well, it's both of you really, if there's these mental health conditions, what are you doing to address the underlying? For me, I do a lot of writing for instance, or music or work on film sets and not have to, maybe that's more of a drug than anything, but what is it that you're doing to sort of get down at the sort of the foundational issues? So like, are you saying more or less, like, what do we do as like our outlet? Yes. Or if you're, if you're sort of, let's assume it's a traumatic experiences that are, that are sort of leading to those mental health issues. Is that fair to say? Yeah. How can we heal those or how do you heal those? Definitely seeing a counselor yeah. nice. <laughs> is a great way to heal those. Um, so talking to a professional as, as like a third outside opinion that has really nothing but help for you is definitely a great way to heal those kind of an underlining issues that maybe you don't even realize because once you have that kind of like that platform to start speaking mm -hmm. um, and that space, that is a great way. Um, start yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, a counselor is a great start. Yeah. yeah. I, that's where I started when I was like, okay, I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting somebody to validate how you're feeling that is a trained professional in this category. Yeah. Awesome. All that you need. Yeah. Um, I say, like, I I write um, quite a bit. Like, I love to write songs. So that's something that I do. Nice. Um, yeah. That's something that I would 
put our passions into. Jennifer and I love just spending time together. So we'll literally, we'll play Mario, like quite nerdy that way, like nice. put on Mario Party and just like, that's our way to like talk about things because we'll be playing and then I'll be like, all of a sudden and it's our therapy session where we're talking about something where it's like, do you think about this? Do I have ever mm-hmm. thought about this? So um, spending that quality time, I think is definitely a good way to be able to validate things. But also like Jennifer said, we haven't lived together since we were kids. So yeah. our, our views are very different. And I just this morning, actually, we were talking about something and I was like, do you remember this? And she's like, no. So I remember it at all. It's, awesome. it's fun when you talk about those things where, yeah, that sibling perspective it is similar, but it also is very different. Um, so being able to speak about it in that different perspective, it definitely does almost validate, but also does help us be able to put us our, our put ourselves in other perspectives. And for me, like I had mentioned, I, I had a career before I got into film only about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And the reason was uh, filmmaking for me is that expressive arts therapy yeah. where you have to find all of these different artistic elements. Like there's sound design, there's music, there's all of this. And I love movies. I love them. I love them. I love them. And then when I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. And then I started volunteering on film sets and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like mm-hmm. I was a background uh, actor. And then I was like, oh, cool. Like I want to make movies too. And then I just yeah. started trying. I was volunteering. And yeah, I was crying every day at my normal job. But on film sets, I could wake up at five in the morning and be ready to go. Go to bed at midnight and be ready to go the next day. You mm-hmm. know, so it was like listening to my body, listening to myself. And we help me do that, <laughs> you know, just being honest with yourself, living in the moment, sure. moment, what's okay. And like, yeah, um, just honoring yourself and how you're feeling each day. And sometimes depending on the job that you're doing or whatever you're doing that day, maybe you just don't smoke until after, you know? Sure, <laughs> like, sure. so, yeah, I'm definitely like, I don't, when I would be at work, like I don't smoke at work. I don't smoke to offer a gun. Like it's definitely like um, right now where I'm on medical leave, yeah, I smoke all day kind of thing but when i'm at my my career like it's it's an, it's my uh, recreational time but, sure so i don't the two so I, uh, I definitely am very like kind of an advocate for that like do your business and then your pleasure is your pleasure do whatever you need to to make yourself feel happy and an advocate for yourself but uh it's on your own time do what you want right and i mean yeah you'll see us post uh smoking smoking the bong together taking sure. drugs together a cute when it's music like that's just really fun for us cool we're gonna take it either way yeah. um as a con- content creator myself and now alex and i are creating content together yeah it's fun easy content for us it's us living our day-to-day lives anyway might as well it's record a pandemic. it yeah. might as well record it see if people are interested if they don't whatever we're still high and what's been the have you been getting what's kind of been the reaction to that stuff you've been putting out uh, depends on the person. Like I, I will say though, with Alex putting out, uh, her GoFundMe and yeah. being really open and honest and vulnerable, she has had some, even people she considered friends be mm-hmm. huge bitches to her and like, be like, I can't believe you had the audacity to ask for money. And she's like, Dude, did, you, help did you read my story? Like, I'm yeah. literally like, this is not out. She's a very private person. Like I've been pushing her like, let's do a podcast. Let's do these things. And she's like more hesitant. So mm. I mean, I'm pushing her, but at the same time, I don't want to push her too much because she's really stressed out right now. And so it's been really hard for her to put herself out there with this GoFundMe and to be like, Hey, I'm not okay. And I wish as the older sister, I was in a place where I could just, you know, take care of it, but I'm yeah. not, unfortunately. And so it's like, you know, it's unfortunate that 
this is helping, but it's also hurting her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it takes some of the stress off, you know, maybe she can buy some medications now or at least we can cover our rent. But at the same time, now she's getting all this hate and all this pushback and all these people being terrible. So it's like to the point she wants to just take it down and stop asking and like, we'll figure it out ourselves. Well, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like that catch 22 of people being supportive because some Mm -hmm. people have been extremely supportive and reaching out and kind and like, you know, at least taking the time. Like that's the biggest thing we ask is just read it. I don't give a shit. If you donate, don't fucking give us money. Like just read it, Mm -hmm. learn about what Alex is going through, how to support her or how to at least like not pressure her with like, what's that condition? Like just the amount of times like people are like, did you take anything? I'm like, no shit. Like, I tried this. And she's like, literally, if you read that, it says that I'm still waiting for my procedures. I'm still waiting for my treatment. I'm still waiting. You know, or I'm taking different medications. I'm already doing this. Like, it's just like, everyone wants to throw their two cents in, which yep. is fair. It's fine. Right. Like I'll listen to it, but it's just like the most basic things are just like exhausting where it's like, when someone's like, how are you today? I'm like, Oh, I'm a little bit sore. They're like, why? I'm like, ah, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, same thing as always. Like, it's like, come on, Pinky, come on, Brain. Like, same shit as always. You know what I mean? Like, so we've been discussing also making a documentary about nice. Alex's endometriosis journey. And I know you're a very, very, very talented director of photography. So if you want to be involved in any way, we should talk later. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually had that thought. Uh, you know, we obviously start with shooting some interviews and maybe going from there. But yeah, absolutely. Really? Awesome. Well, anytime you're ever in Calgary or we come up to Edmonton sometimes, let's talk about it later. Yeah. Our yeah. mom's still in Edmonton, so we do come. And most of our family's actually in Edmonton. Good. So. Right. Cousins, cousins, and cousins, and stuff. So, have you thought about coming back to Edmonton, Alex? Like, both of you together? Like, doesn't that seem maybe like a bigger support network there? So, I did consider this. So, when I was um, first considering um, like selling my property and like, where am I going to go? Um, it was actually February 4th is my birthday. Um, and I had received a call and I was just selling my house. I kind of, I was talking to my lawyers in January, um, kind of everything was starting to get finalized kind of like the beginning of 2021. Mm -hmm. And, um, February 4th, I received a call from the chronic pain center and saying that I was accepted. So my birth, that was my birthday gift. And it was the best gift I could have received. I just started crying. I remember I was, it was my last day to work because I was taking the next week off work on holidays to go and visit my mom and my sister um and i received that call and it was like it was the validation that like i cannot leave calgary because i had considered like yeah jennifer's already in edmonton my mom's in edmonton i could just go back there and get that support right um but when i received that call it was like no i need to stay in calgary because i need to get to this procedure because that was a huge like do I stay or do I go right now? Like, do I stay or do I go? And it's kind of like my track record is February is always kind of like my turnaround time. Where it's like something big in my life always happens in February. Um, so again, it, this was the validation that like, nope, I'm supposed to stay in Calgary and see this treatment through. So. Okay. Well, good for you. It's just part of the struggle, I guess, to be separated from the family for a while to, to get it done. Absolutely. But like I said, I've kind of been, I've been on my own for a long time. I've already been going through all these things. I kind of had already seen the hardest times in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, that I'd be okay. Even if I was solo, because I've already been solo through those dark, dark, dark times. That sure. like, you know what? I've already made it through that. What's a little bit more. Yeah. What's one more. Alex could have done this without me. Absolutely. <laughs> and 
you know, I might even be making it harder for her at some points. And by might, I mean, definitely. <laughs> um, because like, I am still, you know, trying to learn how to support her as a, you know, and what she needs rather than just what I want to do. Right. So again, we're, we're adults learning about each other again. Yeah. And I have my own way of doing things and she has her own way. And it's like, it's like you fast forward a relationship where all your son are living together. Right. Like, we hadn't really spoken. We haven't really like hung out and all of a sudden we're like living together and people are like, you guys are really close. And we're like, we are, but like, we also have to like learning and learn. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, no. And then other times, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it it happens. So but it it is just a relationship, like whether it be um, a romantic relationship or any other, it's a sister relationship. Right. So it is different. It isn't very ordinary, I guess, but like it is work, but it is worth it. And I think we've, I like I'm impressed with us. We've gotten a lot better at our disagreements and fights. <laughs> so we'll, okay. we'll actually separate rather than. I mean, like Kate, when we say fight, we've had two like, disagreements. Yeah, and let's, let's do one together. Like, and like triggering events is more than it is. Where like I'm mm. being offensive, she's defensive. We're triggering each other, and then we're like, <gasps> you know, and then it's like I'm talk to you and hang out, but now we're not talking, and so I'm like just feeling sad. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> like can, can we just? I'm, like, that's like, you're, like <laughs> about those things that you want to talk about later and you're like make a list and you're like oh i can't wait to tell her about this we're not fighting this is how you made me feel yeah okay well this is how i was feeling okay but now you're being defensive okay let's go and we're we're getting better and like i'm really proud of us and i like i will tell you i'm the happiest i've ever been in my life but i've been saying that for the last year or so you know a couple years is like i'm going with how life is and the reality of situations and the reality is Alex is sick right now. She needs help. She needs love and support and as do I. So Mm -hmm. thank you to everybody that's, you know, supporting the Rep sisters, Alexandria (laughs) and Jennifer, AKA Rhea and Ginny are our alter egos and we have a lot of fun. (laughs) Love it. So if people want to check you out on the social media, where can they find you? At the Rep Sisters. Well, at Rep, Rep Sisters. sisters sorry, okay. Actually, just at Rep Sisters on Instagram or OnlyFans. Uh, Instagram blocks a lot of our like weed smoking. Oh, so really? OnlyFans were like, well, we'll just do it there, you know. So, may I ask that. what else goes on on the OnlyFans? Is it just the weed, or is there some other You'll fun stuff? <laughs> Fair enough. That's what I've been telling people. They say, "What's on the podcast?" I say, "Just listen." So. Fuck me. I should just. <laughs> Business, right? And this is at the end of the podcast. Ooh. <laughs> About to listen to the whole thing to get there. Uh, Alex also has her own Instagram, which is Riri Ria Rose. Okay. I'll link to all that because that's a hell of a at. Yeah. That's it's like, a long one. <laughs> and I'm Jen Dodd. Right on. R-E-double-P. And it's at Rep Sisters. R-E-double-P. Sisters. Jen, do you make those digital drawings of yourself? Do you do that? I do. Those are so awesome. It's like, thank you. I just take pictures and then there's like a couple different apps and I'll okay. run them through different programs and like just, yeah, play with it until I find something that I'm like, oh, this is cool. Okay. And some photos, like they do not modify well. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Ugh. like so some filters and some like things just don't look good. So it's really just playing with it. Yep. It is really fun. So I enjoy it's good. it. It's therapeutic too, right? Exactly. At least because like, I'm not able to take a selfie every day. I'm not able to like, this has actually helped me a lot. Living with Alex is creating content more regularly because oh, cool. that was what 
me a lot of those digital drawings is because I could take old photos and just make it look new. That's so cool. then I uh, face the day. But now I'm every day. Oh, it's beautiful. I want to leave off here. Let's say there's someone, Alex, Alexandria, in your position who's maybe doesn't have the support or maybe hasn't faced the fact that they are as sick as they are. What are kind of the early steps or what, what, what might be some first simple steps to healing? Um, believing yourself is, is the most important thing is start to just to learn your body and know your body. And if something's not right or something's not okay, don't dismiss it. Start to start to watch it and start to honor it because I could have probably started my journey a long, a long time ago had I actually honored my body. Um, it doesn't, it does take years to get diagnosed with endometriosis. So I was diagnosed pretty early on from when I went and got the treatment and started seeking help, but mm -hmm. I was also at extreme stages. So, um, it's really listening to yourself and being an advocate for yourself, but just know your body and know if something's not okay to actually listen to it and not dismiss it. That's beautiful. Your body's always talking. You got to listen. <laughs> exactly. It's always talking. It's up to you to find out what it's saying. I've taken an hour of your day. I think that's probably enough. I would love to talk more because I had some more things I wanted to get to that would could take us another hour probably. Would you like to talk again next month? Would that be fun? Yeah, we could definitely yeah. do that. I'd love to talk to you again. I'd love to be back on the podcast. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Let's do that just so we're... You know, we can think about it. <laughs> totally, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I took a lot of the time speaking, and I uh, thank you for that and letting me and tell my story because it, it's not short, um, <laughs> but it is real and it's raw. But So thank you for listening. Well, it's my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for sharing. It's uh, And yeah, that's really it. it you, you had to just get it out there. So if this if this helps in some way, I, I'm, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. Ladies, thank you very much. I uh, I had a great time. It was a bit of a roller coaster, but it was it was a good one. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Rep Sisters. <laughs> Sounds about right. Well, thanks again, and everybody, thank you for listening too. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review. Mm -hmm.